Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. All right, y'all ready to get in God's Word today? We are in a series we are calling Out of Order. And what we are doing is we are trying to get your finances in order so that you can experience God's blessing in your life. This is not a giving series. This is a stewardship series to teach you how to do money God's way. There's 2,300 verses in the Bible that deal directly with our money. And so we're gonna look at timeless principles throughout God's word of how to handle money God's way. And I was thinking of things in our life that are kind of out of order. And when they're out of order, they create chaos and messes. And uh, you gotta get them in order. I was thinking of some of them. Here was the first one. I think about the junk drawer at your house. Come on, how many has got that junk drawer at your house? And it's like, it's like it has everything, but then it has nothing at the same time. It is just totally out of order. I was thinking of, of a department of motor vehicles. The DMV is a place that is just out of order. Like, have you ever gone there? You ever had a good experience at the DMV? Doesn't it exist? Doesn't exist. It's just a little out of order. And then I was thinking of like people that have these devices are out of order. Uh, let's put that the Android phones. Come on, just out of order. We don't even put you on the group text because it's a, it makes it all green and messed up, and it's out of order. You'll never receive God's blessing in your life. <laughs> I wanna to talk to you today about how to make sure you get your finances in order, and I think it's important we're doing this right now so that you can walk into 2024 and really be in order to receive all that God has for your life. Billy Graham says it this way, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of their life. So you might be here today and go, I came to church because I wanted to get my life straightened out. I don't want anything to do with my money. I don't want to hear about that. Let me just break down the wall and just say, this is the first step to getting your life in order is to get your finances done God's way. Let's get it done on God's plan. And I'll show you how you can receive God's blessing in your life. And so I titled today's message and I want you to write it down. I've titled it five major myths about money. We're going to talk about some myths, some beliefs we have about money that are wrong. And, and I want to help address them today because you can have really good, sincere beliefs and those beliefs be sincerely wrong. I don't know if you ever had that moment where you just kind of had the epiphany that you believed something that was wrong. I, I believed for years that I was a good singer. I believed it. I heard myself in the shower and it was incredible. And then I had the moment where, you know, you sing in front of somebody else or the music in worship kind of dies down and you're kind of loud. And then you heard what came out of your mouth. You're like, that wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was, I was sincere, but I was sincerely wrong about it. I, Katie and I, we were sincere about the fact that, man, it would be easy to raise kids. It's going to be easy. Like, how, how hard could it be? It's really hard. It's really hard. Like we were sincere. We thought it. It was just wrong in our, our thoughts. I was sincere. I thought this was going to be the year for the bucks to come through for us. Uh, we're still time. We can pray. We can pray. We can pray. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. Your mindset towards things really matters and dictates your life. I've heard it said this way, as the mind goes, the man follows. The man follows. So your life will always be going in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So your thoughts really matter. That's why Proverbs says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. 
so is he. So your mindset has to be transformed in how you think about things. And I want to challenge you in your mindset when it comes to money. Even the idea that the church is talking about money, many times that just builds up this mentality of like, who are you? What are you to do to talk about this? I want to, I want to break down those myths and I want to bring it to you in a very biblical way of helping you look at finances God's way and seeing God's timeless truths on it. And I think it's gonna help you. I'm gonna break down five major myths that we all have. The first major myth, it's right there in your notes, is that it's my money. It's my money, it's my money, my, my money, my money. In other words, it's like, I can do with it whatever I wanna do. I can handle it the way I wanna handle it. I worked for it, I got it, I went to school, I got the degree, I got the job. It's my money. And the truth is, it's right there in your notes, it's that everything belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. And if you're going to understand how to do finances correctly, you've got to start with this foundation is that everything we have and everything we are belongs to the Lord. Proverbs, I mean, Psalms 24 says it this way. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all God's. And because it's his, we need to learn what our part in this equation is. Hebrews says it this way, everything belongs to God. How much? Everything. Everything belongs to him. And all things were created by, and I want you to lean into this, his power. His power. Now, you have to understand that because many people go, but Aaron, you don't understand. I'm the one that showed up for the job. I'm the one that got hired. I'm the one that puts in the effort. I'm the one that, that hustles. I'm the one that got promoted. I'm the one that got the degree. I'm the one that passed the bar. I'm the one that made it happen. And because of that, I'm the one that produced this. <laughs> but let me just say it. In that verse, it showed us that even the power you had to get to the place that you're at was given by God himself. Your even ability to do your job and the energy to wake up in the morning and do it is God working through your life. So, so, so let's not get presumptuous to think that we made this thing happen. Everything we are is but by the grace of God. Can I hear a good amen today, church? And, and here's what we've realized, is that God is the source and we are the stewards. God is the source and we are the stewards. It's not about what we do, it's about who he is. He's the one that gave it to us and now we have to handle it well. The Deuteronomy says it this way, Moses said, he says, but remember the Lord your God. And I want you to think of that. When God blesses your life, remember him. Remember him, remember it's about him. Remember it's from him. And look what it says, for he is the one who gives you the ability to produce well. And if you've seen yourself, and you've seen yourself get blessed, you see the business grow, you get the promotion, our tendency is to say, wow, look what I did. But the reality is it has nothing to do with who we are. It has everything to do with who he is. And we have to understand he's the source and we are the, we're the stewards. So here's what it deal, how's it, how does it affect your finances, ready? It's that how we handle money, it doesn't determine God's love for us. 
but it does determine God's trust in us. The question you should be asking is, does God trust me? You see, you're asking the wrong question. You're thinking, does God love me? Of course he loves you. He loves everybody. But God can love you and not trust you. <laughs> he loves you so much. But I'm going to tell you, he doesn't trust a lot of us because we don't handle well what he has given us. So we have to understand, it's not ours. It's his, and we got to handle it well. That's myth number one. Myth number two. Let's write it down. It's that money is bad. Money is bad. Oh, I hear this so much growing up. If you drew, uh, grew up in maybe a more of a, a Catholic or an Orthodox culture, they would teach you all the time about how bad money is. Like you are more spiritual the broke you are. And boy, I was spiritual in my 20s. <laughs> Not by choice, but boy was I spiritual because I was just as poor as could be. Like a vow of poverty, but not you know by choice. And, and I had this moment where I realized, and you go through the scriptures and you realize that throughout the scripture, money is never looked at as bad. That is a mentality that we've created. It's an overreaction to a lot that we, we, we see that's wrong in the world today because the truth is, and I want you to write down, that the love of money is a major problem. So it's not money that's wrong. It's a love. It's a pursuit of money, that's the issue. Actually, John Wesley, one of the great revivalists in church culture, he said it this way, he, here's your goal. Your goal should be to gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Come on, somebody. That's a phrase to live by right there. So looking at money as bad is not biblical. But having a pure warning to go, there are some things in scripture where it's very clear that money can mess up your life. In other words, Paul said it this way, for the love of money, and what he's talking about there, he's talking about a pursuit. He's talking about that deep desire, that craving. That love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And haven't you seen it in your life and other people's lives? It's that pursuit of money. And people that are eager for money, look what they do. They have wandered from the faith. So they started out well. They started out pursuing God and then went from God to gold. And when you start pursuing gold and you start pursuing stuff, you move from him to that. You make that your God. And when you make that your God, you realize that causes many griefs, the scripture says right there. Many griefs. And you've seen this happen. Because we all have that friend who was following God and they got a little bit of success in their life. They got a little bit of money in their life and their dependence went from God to now other stuff and their result is grief. Money does not solve your problems, so don't chase it. God does. And if you'll chase God, watch how he's your source and he's your solution at all times. So you've got to look at this and go, there needs to be a genuine evaluation of our heart. Do we love this stuff? Like, like I'm all about like your job. Love your job, but do you love the money? Are you loving the, the, the pursuit of it? There, there was another uh, passage, a parable Jesus taught where he talked about uh, seed falling on four different types of soil. And um, only one of the soils was good, but the third soil 
really brought it out to that this is America today. He said, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, so they heard the gospel, and as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries. And you, you know people like this. They, they've gotten choked by life's worries and by life's riches and pleasures. And they do not mature. There are people who have fallen in love with God, but then the pursuit of wealth and fame and money grips their heart and they go from serving God to serving stuff and pursuing God to pursuing money. And when you go and you have this pursuit after that, it ends up wrecking your life. Let me just say it this way. Money isn't evil, but it is a great revealer. And when, it's, it's one of those things, you're like, <laughs> you ever had that moment, you're like, if I won the lottery, I'd quit this job right now. You know what that's showing you? It's like, it's a revealer. You know, like, man, I'm telling you, I would leave him right away if I didn't have to have it. Well, you should, you should just go. Like, no, 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 don't. Not if you're married, you know. Stay on your covenant before God. But, but, but money is a great revealer. You know, it's like, it's the idea of like, if, if it if shows so much about us, which by the way, it also shows your heart of, of generosity. You go, well, if I made more, I'd give more. Well, what are you doing with the little God's put in your hand right now? It's a revealer of what God, of, of who you really are. That's why Hebrews says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We can be content because we can understand that in little, God is with us. In much, God is with us. When the bank account is full, God is still with us. When the bank account is empty, God is still with us. When we love our job, God's with us. When we hate our job, God's with us. It's not dependent upon what is going on around us. It's dependent on the fact that God is within us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? We can be victorious. So, so, so we don't make it about the stuff, we make it about him. Amen. But the stuff isn't bad, just don't pursue it. That's why we say we don't worship our wealth, but we worship with our wealth. Yes. So we take the wealth that God's given us, and I want you wealthy, and I want you blessed in every area of your life, especially your money, but I don't want you to sit there and worship it, I want you to make it about a greater purpose and a greater cause. That's why Proverbs says the first thing you should do is you should honor God with your wealth and the first fruit of all your crops. Why? Because the way we worship God is by saying, God, you're first in my life. Amen. All right, uh, uh, myth number three, ready? Myth number three, and I'm gonna touch on for just a little bit. I know it's controversial, but we're, we're hitting it head on when it comes to our, our mindset with, when it deals with money. Number three is that tithing no longer applies to the Christian. And I hear this often. They go, Aaron, did you read the Bible? The Bible's very clear that this, we're in a new covenant. We're under grace. We're not under the law anymore. And my response to them is, well, what was the law? Well, the law was 10%. And I go, well, what is the New Testament grace? Well, I, I don't know. Well, read it in the book of Acts. It goes from 10% to 100%. <laughs> so which one are you going to follow? <laughs> That's funny right there. <laughs> The truth is, is yes, we're not under the law anymore. 
The, the, the fact is that everything we have belongs to them, but tithing was not about the law. It was never about the law, and it shouldn't be a law today. What tithing is, and write it down your notes, tithing is a timeless principle that was endorsed by Jesus. He endorsed the principle of saying, hey, bring to God what is first his, and then the rest of your life is blessed. It was given to us before the law. We see it in Abraham and all before the law. Then we see it all throughout the Old Testament. Then Jesus, people don't know this, Jesus addressed the tithe and endorsed it. Look what he said in Matthew 23. He's talking to religious leaders, and he says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he says, here's why you're a hypocrite. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Now, what is a tenth? A tenth is called the tithe. Very good. He goes, you give it, but you neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Like, hey, there is something that was given to you. Draw this principle, the tithe. But you're not doing the more important things, which are justice, mercy, and faithfulness, which are more important things. And then he says this phrase, ready? You should have practiced the latter. Likely, you should be a person of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then we go, I get that. But then he says, but don't neglect the former. He goes, but you still give to God first. Why? Write it down in your notes. Because tithing teaches us to put God first in our finances. That's why Jesus endorsed it. He says, listen, that principle is still for today. That we come and we give God to our first. It's not, it's not a law. It's not legalism. There's no like nobody on the way in at a campus you walk into at one of our campuses and they're like, hey, where are you at in your tithe? Come on, pay up, pay up. It's not about that. It's about the fact of going, is God first in your life? That's why we challenge our church to, to do a 90-day tithe challenge. And when you do your 90-day tithe challenge, you're honoring God and you're saying, God, I'm gonna show you, I can put you first in my life. And when I put you first in my life, then I'm gonna watch God's hand on my life and watch it be blessed. There's two types of people in our church, ready? There's those who tithe and they always say the same thing. People are like, oh, why do you tithe? And you go, I don't know why, it's just I'm blessed. I'm blessed because of it. And then there's people that don't tithe. And you know what they always say? They always say, I would, but I can't afford to tithe. It's interesting. It's almost like you'll never afford to tithe until you tithe. Because it's, it's like until you put God first and test him in it, you watch how God will move in your life. Look what Malachi 3 says. This is one of those crucial passages on tithing. Again, not a law, a crucial, crucial principle that is all throughout the scriptures. And Malachi 3 says it this way. It's, it says, bring the whole tithe, your 10%, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. I'm gonna show you this. You might not have ever seen this before. So when Christians bring to God their first, their 10% to God, he goes, the reason for it is you bring it into the church and there'll be food in my house. Now, I did some math. In the Christians around the world today, if they tithe, um, if, they, if they tithe their full tithe with 10%, so right now the average Christian is about 5%. So if they did their 10%, then we would have, the church of Jesus Christ would have $165 billion extra every year to advance the gospel around the world. So if I were in charge of it all, here's how I'd break it down. Um, I'd spend about $25 billion to relieve global hung hunger, eliminate deaths from preventable uh, diseases. You could do that within about five years. 
You spend another $15 billion to solve the world's water and sanitation issues, um, that you could do that. $12 billion could end all illiteracy around the world. A billion dollars could fund all of our missionaries around the world right now that are underfunded. They could be funded. And then we would have about $110 billion left over from ministry expenses to be able to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And then he could come back. Come on, somebody. But there's not food in the house to do the work, so to do it because, why? Because people don't bring the full tithe. If we brought the full tithe, we would solve the problems of the world. But not only would we solve the problems of the world, we'd solve your issues. Because look what he says, he says, test me in it. Like show me, show you that, listen, I can do more in your life than you can imagine. And then he says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And here's what I want you to get. This is why I broke it down for you. Because there's actually three groups that are impacted when we tithe. Tithing positions, the Christian, which is you, it positions the church, which is radiant, right there, it's your church, and it positions the city for God's supernatural blessings. That when we give to God and when we honor God with that, we're positioned in our life. We're no longer out of order. We're in order for God's blessings. Then the church has the resources to meet the needs in the community. And I'm still a firm believer that the church of Jesus Christ, that what God's called us to do is the solution to the lost and broken world that's out there today. And we can do our part. And we do. And we have the most generous church in the world. And then, and then this city is better. Tampa Bay, Clearwater, those in Brandon, those in St. Pete, those in Lutz, those here in South Tampa, those there on the Heights, all over the Tampa Bay area, those communities should get better because Radiant Church is there. And Radiant Church is an impact in the community because the people of God bring to God what is first. And when they do that, the whole place is better. Can I hear a good amen to the church? So, so tithing, it's one of those big deals. I want to overcome that myth. Number four, and we're almost done. The fourth myth is that all giving is equal. Well, Aaron, I give, but I give it to different places and different things, and I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Actually, I found out recently that 67% of all Christian giving happens outside of the church, 67%. So, so Christians are unbelievably generous. Many times, it's just going to all these different places. So is it all the same? And a lot of them are really good causes when it comes to missionaries and outreaches and in different programs around the world. Some of it goes to, you know, people give it to their alma mater and Humane Society, the city park, all kinds of good things. The question is, is all giving equal? And here's the truth, and I want you to write down, is that if I were to create a giving strategy for you, because your life is going to be blessed, so you got to know what to do with it, then here's your giving strategy, is your giving needs to show up in eternity. It needs to show up in eternity. So if I'm giving towards something, I want to make sure, is it making a difference in eternity? Let me show you how Paul broke it down. He says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. Let me tell you exactly what that means. Here's what that means. It means Jesus Christ started this thing and we're called to build it. And if we're going to build it, you, what we invest in is going to show one day. He says the day will bring it to light. What is that day? That's judgment day. That's when this whole thing is over. It's going to bring to light the impact we made on this earth. And then he says it this way. He says, for their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality 
of each person's work. What you invest your life in is going to be tested one day. And look what he says. If, it's been, if, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss and yet will be saved. In other words, if you invest your life in a lot of things that don't make it to heaven, that's okay. You're still getting to heaven because you follow Jesus. So you could get to heaven, but the question is, are you getting to heaven and there's some kind of reward there for you? How do we get a reward? Here's why we get a reward. He rewards what survives. So what, what ends up in eternity is what God honors in our life. So if that's the case, then I want my life to be built around everything I do here has got to impact eternity because heaven and hell are realities, then I gotta live my life with the strategy is I'm gonna fill up heaven and I'm gonna empty hell in Jesus' name. I'm gonna make an impact. So I'm all about, listen, our church is so behind the fact that we are gonna meet practical needs. We love, we love social justice projects. We love um, helping the poor. We help, love helping the widow. We help build wells. We will do all of those things, but we're going to do them all in Jesus' name because it's not enough to give. We got to give with the gospel behind it because social, social justice isn't justice if you don't combine it with spiritual justice. What benefit is it if we go and help the needs of the world and yet don't present to them the solution for the greatest need, which is their lost soul. And if you're giving them stuff without giving them the savior, we are missing the greatest need in humankind, which is Jesus Christ. People need Jesus. That's why when I give, even outside of the church, I'm always looking for an E-R-O-I. Let me talk it in the financial terms. Everybody looks for an ROI, which is a return on investment. You know what an EROI is? It's an eternal return on investment. I'm gonna give, I'm not just giving because I feel sad and they showed me a sick dog that looks, you know, it's like, and it's crying on the TV. And that's all sad and that's fine. But I'm putting the gospel around the world with the finances God gives me. And that's, that's why we do our legacy offering. Legacy offering gives a good EROI. And you don't have to give to that, but you better find something that you invest your life in that has eternity behind it because it matters. That's why Jesus says, you better, you better store up for yourselves. Like you better have an inheritance in heaven where moth and vermin and rust does not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. What is that saying? When you invest in souls, when you fill heaven, it's the best investment you'll ever make that nobody can steal from your life. We gotta be a people that make our finances count for eternity. Make it count for eternity. Number five, y'all still with me today, church? I know we've been blowing through it quick, but we'll, we'll end with just a, a moment to reflect. Number five, he said, God wants me broke. <laughs> I've heard this one so much. God just wants me broke. He wants me sad. He wants me to give everything up. And the, and the truth is, is that it's not about money in this deal. Because whether you have money or you don't have money, or you, you know, it's not even about any other area of your life being good or bad. Here's what I, I want in my life. I'm not pursuing that stuff. Here's what I do believe is that God wants me blessed. He does want me blessed. Amen. And we look throughout the scriptures and we can see that God wants us blessed. 
But you have to understand what does it mean to experience God's blessing? Well, we see it in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when somebody wanted a blessing, they would go to their father, or they would go to the priest, or they would go to the king, and they would kneel down. And when they would kneel down, that father or that, that priest or that king would lay their hand on them. And because their hand was on them, they would receive a blessing in their life. It was an impartation of the blessing when the hand went on it. And I'll tell you what I want in my life. I, I, I'm okay if I'm never wealthy, but I want God's hand on my finances. Let me tell you, some of you, you're, you're single, and you go, I just don't know what's next for me. You're okay being single as long as God's hand is on your life. Let me tell you, because I know a lot of married people that are not blessed, and I know a lot of rich people that are not blessed, and I know a lot of people that have a lot of kids, and they're not blessed. Just because you have a lot of stuff doesn't mean you're blessed. Blessed means God's hand is on my life, and if God's hand's not going to be on it, then I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I want God's hand on my life. I want his blessing on my life. So how do, how do we get it? How do we get it? How do we get it at all of our campuses? How, how do we get God's hand, God's blessing on our life? Well, it says it in Psalm 1. I'm, I'm about done, I promise you. He says, blessed is the one. Notice he doesn't say blessed is everyone. Because not everybody's receiving God's blessing. Not everybody has God's hand on their life. So how do you receive God's blessing? He says, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner's take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, my pursuit, my affection is on the Lord who meditates on his law day and night. That person, a blessed person, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Who prospers? The blessed man. How do you be a blessed person? You live life God's way instead of the world's way. You submit to God instead of submitting to the world. You see, blessing and prosperity really isn't about a standard of living. It's about living according to God's standard. <laughs> it's not about a status. It's about submission to him. God doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. And if you submit to him, you'll see his hand come on your life and no matter what's in your bank account, you'll say, I'm blessed because God's hand is on my life. Can we give him some praise today, church, amen? Across all of our campuses, just with everybody staying in their seat for just a second, I just want a moment to reflect just in the last minute I have with you, just right there in your seat, just, just reflecting, saying, God, I wanna, be, I wanna be in order. I wanna be aligned with you, with your vision, with your plan for me. I would ask you, even as you're in that seat right now, are you submitted to God? It's not about your money, it's about your heart. Are you submitted to Him? Just I'm gonna ask our worship team to just lead us for just a second. Just while you're sitting in your seat, just have a moment to just come to the Lord.
Lord. Totally submitted to you, God. As we're submitted to him, come on, sing it out. You tore the veil. You made a way come on, that's his hand, his blessing. Come on, his hand, his blessing. Lord, we thank you. you made a way You've given us full access to you, God. right there in your seats just take a moment just ask the Lord say God give me in alignment with you submitted to you and to your plans and to your purposes Lord I don't want to be out of order I don't want to have a wrong mindset when it comes to not just my money but my life Lord I want your hand on my life in Jesus name every eye closed every head bowed if you're in one of our campuses today if you don't have that relationship with Christ let me tell you your life will never be in order if you don't submit to God first. Surrender to Him. This is your moment. It's not, it's not about your money. It's not about what's going on in your life. It's about a life totally submitted to Jesus. And this is your moment before our location pastors come. We're right there in your seat. You go, Aaron, I haven't given Jesus my life. Well, this is your time. This is your moment. That's you on the count of three. I want you to raise that hand up and say, today's my day. I'm going all in, submitting my life to Christ. And watch Him change you right there in that seat. Ready? One. Two, come on, this is your day. Three, come on, if that's you, throw the hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, buddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see all those hands all over this building, all over our campuses. You put that hand right back down. Let us all pray this prayer out loud together. Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my past. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Give me a fresh start for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give it up for those who just made the best decision. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.